This is Tyler Lancaster, and you're listening to Outside the Tundra with Josh Frey-Sam. Rodgers gets the snap. Blitz is on. Rodgers scrambles He's left, winds up rainbow. Cobb. He's got Cobb at the 10 to the 5. Yes! To the end zone. Touchdown. Throws the left sideline. Intercepted. Down the sidelines. Tremont Williams into the clear. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. And there is your dagger! And now, Outside the Tundra with Josh Frysack. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to Outside the Tundra. Josh Fry, Sam here. Thank you for tuning in to episode two of OTT. And big thank you to my guy, Tyler Lancaster, for hopping on the intro there. That was big time. That was a big favor that he did for me. If you guys follow me on Twitter, at Outside Tundra, you might already have an idea of what this episode is about. We've got a ton of stuff to get to here. We got uh, a big thing to break down here. The possible ramifications of Joe Barry's hiring here. Because I think a lot of people want to know, right? A lot of people want to know what is it exactly that Joe Barry is bringing over to us and what affects, what impact is this going to have on our current team, on our roster, right? I'll tell you what. I know I said last episode that I, I wasn't a huge fan of Joe Barry um, just and and the only reason why I said that was just based on his track record. You, you know, the it was he hasn't r- had a very successful uh, ten couple of tenures as a defensive coordinator. But I'll tell you what, I'll own up to it. That was that was premature by me, because I've had a chance now to sit down and see the defense that he's going to be bringing over. I've had a chance to watch some tape. We're going to get into that, and I've had a chance to read some articles. One thing is for certain. And that is Joe Barry. He's never had a defense with this much talent. He's he's had a couple of tenures, if you did not know already. Uh, one 2007-2008 with the Detroit Lions. That was even before Matt Stafford got there. Jeez. And then the 2015 and 2016 Washington football team. And that was probably his most talented defense that he's ever been around. The, the 2015 Washington football team. That was... Chris Baker on the defensive side of the ball, Jason Hatcher, Trent Murphy, a younger Ryan Kerrigan, I think he was 27 at the time, uh, Bashad Breeland, a very young Bashad Breeland, who was with the Packers at one point in time, wasn't overly productive with the Packers, and he ended up making his way, finding his way to the Kansas City Chiefs. He's actually enjoyed a couple of Super Bowl runs with them now, so good for him. But that 2015 Washington football team team, was 28th in yards allowed and 17th and 19th respectively uh, in scoring. And so not great numbers from Joe Barry's defense. But I'll tell you what, he's had a chance now to be around other defensive minds. And I think it sparked something in him. That And that's the reason why Matt LaFleur brought, brought him over. And not only that, but again, like I said... He's never been around this much talent, right? You're, the, the names that I just mentioned, although they are notable names, they're not a, na- a, t- a bunch of names that you're going to sit there and say, yeah, that, that's, that's championship worthy. You know, I, I, I wouldn't say that. Now, Ryan Kerrigan's name is going to pop back up later in this episode. 
I'll leave that one a secret until we get there. But we got a couple of other things to cover as well this episode. I want to break down a couple of important dates that are going to be coming up in the NFL schedule. Not only that, but I do want to talk about uh, the cap crunch that is going on this this upcoming season. Packers are going to be about $20 million in the red. I want to talk about a couple of ways that I think we can really clear up some cap space and get us back in the green and 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 really be able to go out and, and even attack some free agents here because there's been a lot of rumors, a lot of news for, for Packers fans to get excited about, starting with the fact that J.J. Watt was released today. Uh, February 12th is the day of recording this, and he was able to announce his release there from the Houston Texans. So big potential there with J.J. Watt. But we'll get to that in just a second. First thing I want to get to is the important dates, you guys. Uh, a couple of big ones. We're in a little bit of a lull right now, what I want to call the ramp-up portion of the schedule, right? We, we've just finished the Super Bowl, and February 23rd to March 9th is the franchise tag slash transition tag designation period. And that is what we're kind of ramping up towards right now. That's the first big milestone, I would say, in the NFL offseason. We just actually had Trevor Lawrence's Pro Day, which is not very common to have a pro day this early. So teams were able to go out there. That was kind of some exciting news in this little ramp-up period that we're in. But that doesn't really apply to the Packers too much. Now, some people might be asking, well, Josh, I mean, we don't really have anybody franchise tag worthy or whatever. But I would say we actually do. Now, the odds of them getting franchise tag are probably pretty slim. But nonetheless, there is a chance that they will. And those two guys, the first one is Aaron Jones. Now, I'll tell you what, Aaron Jones... I actually think that he might have a better chance than people think. Still not great, I don't think, but I think it might be better than people think. And the reason being is because if Aaron Jones was on the franchise tag this year, I think that would be roughly 9 or $10 million. And if that's the case, getting a running back that has the production that Aaron Jones does in the running and the passing game, Aaron Jones is a prototypical running back in today's NFL. He can run, he can catch, he's great in pass blocking situations, Okay, he's very smart, cerebral player. He's a prototypical back, and if we can get him on that $9, $10 million tag, I don't don't have any issues with that whatsoever. The other person is Corey Lindsley, and Corey Lindsley would be a little bit more, I think he'd be looking more at that $12, $13 million number, I believe is what I saw, and so if that is the case, I'm okay again bringing Corey Lindsley back for that price, but the problem is, is that's a little bit more money, and not only that, but centers typically do not get signed to the franchise tag. The closest person I would say that we have seen in recent memory get signed to a franchise tag was Joe Tooney on the New England Patriots. And Joe Tooney, I believe, is a guard. So not a center again. Corey Lindsay probably not going to be looking at the franchise tag, but that is an option, something for us to keep our minds open to going forward. But Aaron Jones, I would definitely say better chance than most people think at him getting franchise tag. And I think a lot of people would like that. Why not bring Aaron Jones back for one more, one another run here, right? If if we can bring him back and maybe even Jamal Williams, who knows, on a cheap deal, and we all already got A.J. Dillon, and who knows, maybe we go out in the draft and we grab another talented running back again. We could be looking at a very nice running back room once again. The next date up on the calendar after the franchise tag and transition tag designation period is March 15th. And guys, that's kind of the big date for a lot of people, a lot of fans. That's a very exciting date because that is when we are, our Packers are legally allowed to start talking to free agents. 
Now, do some talks happen illegally? I wouldn't be surprised. But for the sake of this, we'll say that they are legally not talking until March 15th. That is when they are allowed to. That is going to ramp up to March 17th. And that is in that period, that March 15th to March 17th, that's when we typically start seeing on social media, so-and-so X, Y, and Z is expected to sign with yada, yada, yada. And that's because they can't officially sign until the new league year begins on March 17th, which is the next big date. All of that is happening. There's going to be a lot of money spent, ton of fun breaking all that down because it's free agency frenzy. And this year is going to be just about as insane as any years we could probably imagine for the sole reason that the cap is declining. And some of these players who want to get paid some big time money, such as let's just say a Bud Dupree, maybe a Matt Judon, who feels that he's worth like $20 million a year. I don't know why, but some of those big time edge rusher names, some of those big time free agents that are going to be coming up this year, their teams simply are not going to be able to afford to bring them back. And if they can't, then, hey, enter another team. And that is where the bidding war begins. So there's going to be a lot of high profile names hitting the market this year. It's going to be a ton of fun. The next date after that, we kind of dip into a little bit of a lull again. There's going to be a couple of lesser known names getting signed in between now and between March 17th and then the next date, April 19th. But that is kind of another ramp up period. And that is ramping up towards OTAs, the organized team activities, you guys. And that is when we see that little glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel that is the off season. We say, hey, we've got football again. We've got players on the field together doing drills again. And that is, that's an amazing feeling. So April 19th is another big day. And then finally, we have April 29th, uh, which is the 2021 NFL Draft. And that is going to be another big night. And we're going to have tons of coverage on that, you guys, uh, with multiple episodes. The draft is one of my favorite times of the year. We're going to be breaking down mock drafts, people that I think that we need to be looking out for. Going to be a ton, a ton of information to take in with that. And I'm already, draft season is upon us. And uh, I'm already starting to break down some tape here and and figuring out who, who the Green Bay Packers need to go out and attack. Those are the important dates we need to keep in mind. And then we uh, I think we're still kind of waiting. I think the anticipated date of the 2021 season, it would typically be on September 9th, which is the Thursday following Labor Day. September 9th, Thursday, September 9th, that's probably the date that we're looking at for the season beginning. Who knows? Maybe something will change. Who knows where COVID's at at that point in time. But as of right now, I would say Thursday, September 9th, that is the date that we're looking at for the season beginning. All right. Enough of big time dates here. Let's get to defensive news here. Joe Barry. So a lot of people are wondering, what is Joe Barry bringing over here to our Green Bay Packers? I want to break down a timeline of Joe Barry's ties to the Vic Fangio defense, because that is in reality what we are getting here. Vic Fangio is a brilliant defensive mind. Joe Barry has realistically got a job off of Vic Fangio's defense. Same reason why Brandon Staley got a head coaching job off of Vic Fangio's defense. Vic Fangio got a head coaching job off of Vic Fangio's defense. Okay, this is a brilliant defensive scheme that we are getting here, and it's just a matter of us implementing it. How seamlessly can we implement this this defense? So the timeline goes like this. 
former Rams defensive coordinator who I just mentioned and now LA Chargers head coach Brandon Staley. He worked with Vic Fangio back in Chicago in 2017 to 2019. And that was when Fangio was the defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears. Brandon Staley was actually the outside linebackers coach for them. And then Fangio got hired as the head coach in Denver in uh, Mile High there in 2019. And Brandon Staley, instead of staying in Chicago, in the Windy City, he decided to go and follow Fangio, the brilliant defensive mind, but he all but he stayed as the outside linebackers coach. So Staley got to work with guys like Von Miller, got to work with guys like Brad Chubb, pretty talented group there for a bit, and then he was hired to the Rams to be the defensive coordinator. And the reason why he got hired was pretty much the same reason that Matt LaFleur hired Joe Barry, at least it sounds like. The reason being that Sean McVay had a desire to implement the Vic Fangio scheme into his defense. He wanted to take that defensive scheme. He needed somebody who knew that scheme inside and out, and he wanted to run his defense like that. Enter Brandon Staley. During this transition, Joe Barry was actually retained as the assistant coach and linebacker coach in LA with the Rams because he actually came over to the Rams from Washington with Sean McVay. And also, at that time, Matt LaFleur, who also came with Sean McVay from Washington. So that is where the tie comes in to, to Matt LaFleur. That is why Matt LaFleur, probably part of the reason why Matt LaFleur hired Joe Barry was because he knew him so well. They worked together for a few years there in L.A. They have a ton of history together. Now that Joe Barry was engulfed in this Vic Fangio scheme that Brandon Staley was bringing over, he got to learn the Vic Fangio scheme, and now that leads us to Green Bay, right? Matt LaFleur had the same desires as Sean McVay. Simple as that. He wanted to have that Vic Fangio scheme. It's a great scheme. And some think it was a weird hire, but listen, Matt LaFleur went and hired Nate Hackett, and uh, he's made a couple of other position coach hires as well. It's worked out pretty well for us, you guys. Two NFC championships in two years since Matt LaFleur been here that's we can't really ask we can't ask for too much more we can't ask for a little bit more but we can't ask for too much more than that it's been pretty successful so for now Joe Barry's hiring looks pretty decent right now and it, it does make a lot of sense now what is this defense actually about I've actually had a chance to go watch some tape on this I found a great website with uh, one person who was breaking it down last year's Los Angeles Rams defense that Brandon Staley brought over, and he was breaking down the different fronts that they used, where the responsibilities lie, and then I was also able to read a couple of articles on this, watch a couple, a little bit of tape myself. I've been learning this defense myself right now, I'm, and, and this is kind of what I have found so far. I want to share that with you guys. This defense relies a lot on the defensive backs and the down linemen. And in the down lineman, I should actually just say the front four altogether because we run a 3-4. So the front four, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, those guys heavily, heavily relied upon. Not only that, but the defensive backs are relied upon as well. Now, one thing that I notice is that they work out of a, a multiple defense is what it's called. So... What this does is it actually takes the load off of the linebackers, which is kind of a good thing for us because, as a lot of people figure, linebacker isn't our greatest strength in Green Bay right now. 
Um, maybe we can address that. Maybe, who knows, maybe a guy like Kamal Martin or Chris Barnes takes another step forward next year. But at this very moment, the fact that we kind of have that hole in the linebacker at the second level, that's not necessarily the biggest deal in this defense because they need to essentially be like water. They got to flow with the play, read the play, react to it, fill a hole. It's just it's very simple read and react it seems like when it comes to the linebacker position in this defense the other thing is the multiple defense they show a plethora of different looks based on offensive tendencies specifically so we might not see you know the same base defense coming out week in week out it's going to be based on what the offense likes to play that is what we will start to work our defense around for that week okay so it's a lot of on the go fluidity within this defense it appears to be now just to touch on the stress that it puts on the defensive backs I went and looked back 2019 Vic Fangio's Broncos defense they played 18.5 percent of their coverages in cover three and 19 percent in cover six which is the same pre-snap look as cover three meaning that essentially those cornerbacks are pretty much on an island out there you need good corners and you need a good you need good safeties on the back end okay because they are pretty much one-on-one coverage back there okay maybe safety help over the top but you have to assume that you're going to be playing one-on-one on the island out there if you are a cornerback if you're Jair Alexander and that was evident that that stress on the defensive backs was evident last year because Jalen Ramsey was used exactly how he is best suited he's a lockdown corner and he wants to be on an island with the receiver and I'll tell you what my biggest takeaway, one of my biggest takeaway was Jair Alexander is going to need to take a big, another big leap forward next year. He is going to be relied on heavily. He will be our Jalen Ramsey next year. Now, the one difference, I know I just talked about Vic Fangio in Denver and the coverages he liked to run. I wasn't able to find any stats on Brandon Staley in this year's Rams defense. However, what I will say is that Brandon Staley switched things up in Los Angeles, he kind of added his own wrinkle into the Vic Fangio defense. And that is he ended up showing a too high look, meaning instead of one safety on the back end, 15 plus yards deep, he actually had two safeties up high. And instead of them being 15 plus yards deep, he actually brought them closer to the line of scrimmage, about 10 to 12 yards or so. That way they could be a little bit more available and more incorporated into the run game and attack gaps. So the safeties, they have a lot of responsibility in this defense. They have a ton of responsibility. But I'll tell you what, we probably have, I truly believe that we have the best safety tandem in the NFL. Darnell Savage is turning into a savage. He is a ball hawk. And he is showing, he showed it last year at multiple points. And Adrian Amos is just steady Eddie back there. You love to see Adrian Amos, man. He's not gonna, not gonna show up on too many people's highlight reels. But I'll tell you what, he just remains to be one of the most steady safeties in the National Football League. And I'll take that eight days a week and twice on Sunday. Now, the other thing is with this Vic Fangio defense, they played this, this, this video I watched identified the front that Brandon Staley used last year he identified it as an eagle front and the eagle front means that the nose tackle which would be Kenny Clark in our situation we playing a zero technique now zero technique simply means that he is covering the center he's right over the center across from the center but what Kenny Clark would be doing is he's actually going to be shading to either the he's going to be shading to the right shoulder or the left shoulder depending on on what the play what the play call is 
The defensive ends, who would be our Dean Lowry or Tyler Lancaster, whoever you want to say, they're going to be playing in what he called a four-eye technique. And that would be on the inside shoulder of the tackles or the outside shoulder of the guards. And the outside linebackers, our Rashawn Gary sometimes, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, are going to be playing the wide nine technique. And the wide nine technique is something that was really became super prominent, I would say, with the Philadelphia Eagles defense uh, quite some time ago uh, when they had Vince Young on their team and stuff like that. They were calling themselves the dream team. I think they tried to implement that wide nine technique. So anyways, this Eagle front puts a lot of stress on the opposition's offensive line because they have a hard time executing that inside zone scheme. On the inside zone scheme, you want to see the offensive lineman flowing one way with that reach block, and then once they combo block, a guard or a center might combo block by taking the first guy available and then reaching to the second level to take out the linebacker. And that's when those big hitter plays come. But the defense that Bra- that Joe Barry is bringing over from Los Angeles, what it does is it puts a little bit more stress on the offensive lineman in the run game and the pass game. In the run game, because they need to double team whoever is in front of them, and they're not really able if, if especially if a guy like Kenny Clark can absorb the double team they're not really able to move to the second level and it frees up your defensive ends to go and make a play in the run game a little bit easier if I had if I had video in front of me to show you guys but that's pretty much the gist of it and then in the passing game as well it puts stress on the offensive lineman because what Brandon Staley did a lot last year is he would replace a guy like Kenny Clark let's just say with a linebacker at the, at the line of scrimmage. And a lot of people might call that the NASCAR package where everybody's standing up at the line of scrimmage. You don't know where the blitz is going to be coming from. But the thing is, is that Brandon Staley, he kept the same eagle front. He kept somebody in the zero tech, two people on the four, four eye technique, and then two people on the wide nine. It was just a matter of who was actually in those positions on the defensive side of the ball. And if he wanted to bring pressure, he might not bring it right up the middle. He would have people standing all around the line of scrimmage. He would have a couple people back out and it would only end up being maybe a three man rush or maybe it would be three men from the from the box. And then he'd have a corner coming on a blitz. But the defense that Joe Barry is bringing over allows for a lot of different looks, a lot of different blitzes, a lot of different plays to be called to mess with the offense. It's just really stressful on the quarterback to identify where the pressure might be coming from, what play the, the defense might be in. But not only that, but it's it's just it's really stressful on the offensive line, especially because they don't know who to block, especially on passing downs. So that's something to really be looking forward to is just the dynamic that Joe Brary is bringing over with this scheme. There's going to be a lot of different looks and there's going to be a learning curve. Let's get real here, right? I think that that's the biggest thing is that I talked about before. Joe Barry has probably never had this much talent on an NFL team that he's been on, at least the defensive side of the ball where he's been a coordinator. But the other thing is I truly believe that Joe Barry's probably never had this much pressure entering a coordinator job in the NFL. You think about what he had over there in Washington and Detroit. Those are two teams that were going through transition periods. They were essentially rebuilding. This team now, though, he's got tons of talent to work with, but he's taken over a team that that they're expecting to win now. We are We need to win now in Green Bay, and we need his system to work. Sure, there's going to be a learning curve. I think that everybody's okay with seeing that, but we need to, at the end of the day, see an improvement in the on-field production. That is something that we need to see because Mike Pettin's defense was really good at some points. 
I have a lot of respect for Mike Pett, and I think he's a great NFL head coach, or a great NFL coach, sorry. But the production at certain points when we needed the most wasn't, just simply wasn't there, just wasn't good enough. And so we need Joe Barry to take us to that next level here. That is pretty much the Vic Fangio defense that Joe Barry is going to be bringing over. Now the ramifications was, like I already said, Jair Alexander. We need him to be our Jalen Ramsey. The other thing is Kenny Clark. We need him to be our Aaron Donald. And our front four is going to be heavily relied upon. And and in saying that, I know I talked about before that Preston Smith might be on the, the, the chopping block here because of his lack of production last year. But it actually kind of leads me to believe that maybe Preston Smith's not going anywhere, right? We need the depth at the defensive line position in order to do what we need to do. The biggest thing for this defense that Joe Barry's bringing over is these defensive linemen need to maintain their gap integrity. If they do that, the defense is going to eat. The defense is going to go crazy. If we do not maintain gap integrity, not so much. They, they might get shredded kind of like the Packers shredded them in the in the divisional round this year. But this leads me to believe that Preston Smith might not be going anywhere because he is a veteran presence. He can understand how to maintain gap integrity. Now, I'm going to talk about that in just a second, what Preston Smith, the options of Preston Smith might be. But I did write down a couple of other names that maybe we should look at in the free agency period because really we do have a hole at the defensive end position, right? I, I do like our guys, Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry, but at the end of the day, I do think that we need an improvement. We saw what Kenny Clark was capable of once Snacks Harrison came in and he was able to, to take some attention away from him. But I think that we need somebody else in there, a free agent of some sort that we can bring on a cheaper deal. A couple of names that came to my mind, first and foremost, J.J. Watt. Okay, J.J. Watt, he was going to come, he was going to be traded for, for a $17.5 million cap hit. Packers couldn't do that. But I'll tell you what, now that he's released, Packers might be breathing a sigh of relief and raising their eyebrows a bit because this is interesting now, right? We could bring J.J. Watt in on a one-in-one deal kind of thing, a guaranteed, maybe a fully guaranteed first year, and then with the option of cutting him if we need to in the second year with for no dead cap or little dead cap, right? And J.J. Watt, in that 3-4 defense, he would have no problem filling in being being that defensive end in a 3-4, right? I know we're very used to seeing J.J. Watt in, with his hand in the dirt in the 4-3 defense, but he would have absolutely no problem. He's kicked inside numerous times and done plenty of damage from the inside. The other guy is Ryan Kerrigan, and the Ryan Kerrigan is now a savvy veteran with still loads of production. He, he still has the opportunity to pr- produce a ton. Okay, and the other thing is he has ties, as I mentioned earlier, he has ties to Joe Barry from his days back in Washington and Matt LaFleur for that for that matter. Ryan Kerrigan could be a guy that we look look at as bringing in, again, to fill in that defensive end spot in the 3-4. And then finally, Melvin Ingram. I know a lot of people don't look at Melvin Ingram as a 3-4 defensive end, but he could absolutely play there. Or it could be a matter of, putting Melvin Ingram on the outside and kicking a guy like Zadarius Smith or Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith onto the inside. Either way you want to look at it, any way you want to look at it, I think that one of those three guys are definitely somebody that we need to look to. And this kind of leads me into the cap crunch that that I wanted to talk about on today's episode as well. I mentioned that the Packers are going to be $20 million in the red. Well, they, they are $20 million in the red. But I had a chance to go ahead and play around with our 
roster a little bit, restructure some contracts tentatively, and just see what kind of space that might open up. A couple of names to keep in mind here. Aaron Rodgers. If we restructured Aaron Rodgers' contract, that's over $9 million saved in, in cap space. Now, for anybody that doesn't know what restructuring a contract is, just to go over that very quickly, restructuring a contract is essentially allocating the money to a different area in the contract. We'd be taking the base salary or a portion of a player's base salary, and we'd be turning into a signing bonus. And the reason why that's different is because although the signing bonus is given all that money up front to the player, the number is, is prorated over the course of the contract. So for example, if Aaron Rodgers had an $11 million contract, we could take 10 million of those dollars, give it to him all right now, prorate that $10 million over the course of the remainder of his contract. And that would free up some cap space for us because we'd have a less of a cap hit this year. And the same thing can be done with Zadarius Smith. If we were to restructure his contract, it would be over $4 million in cap saved. We could do the same thing with Adrian Amos's contract. If we restructured his contract, it would be almost $2 million in cap saved. And another guy that we could restructure is also Billy Turner. Billy Turner would, would save us roughly $1.5 million in cap space. So those are kind of the players, the biggest numbers that we could really restructure the contracts with. But a couple of other names to keep in mind here. Christian Kirksey. I don't know what Christian Kirksey's role on this team is going to be. I don't know if he's going to have a job. We, we He's very cuttable. <laughs> we can cut him and, and save $5.6 million in, in cap space this year. I really think Christian Kirksey needs to be looked at as a guy who might not be on this on this roster next year, depending on what Joe Barry likes. Maybe he, li maybe he likes what he's seen from Christian Kirksey and thinks he would fit well in this defense. Maybe not. I'm just saying that Christian Kirksey is a guy that maybe with his cap number, we look at as, a, as an expendable piece. And finally, the guy that I already alluded to earlier, Preston Smith. Now listen, Preston Smith this year is would be playing on $16 million cap hit, which is just tough, especially considering the uh, what we saw on the field. Preston Smith just wasn't very consistent this year. He looked sluggish. He looked a little overweight at times. He just wasn't really playing like we saw him back in 2019. And for that reason, he's not worth $16 million. If we were to cut Preston Smith, it would save us $8 million in cap space. Okay, and, and that is money that, who knows, maybe we could go ahead and sign a guy for cheap. Maybe a J.J. Watt, right? If we were to save $8 million by cutting Preston Smith and bring in J.J. Watt, let's just say for on a $60 million cap hit this year, would anybody be opposed to that? I don't, I don't, I don't think so, although J.J. Watt is older. I, I, I don't think anybody would be opposed to J.J. Watt coming in, in in place of Preston Smith. But at the same time, I just finished talking about how we need depth on the defensive line to play in this defense. So Preston Smith's job, just based on the fact that we do need depth, and he still is, uh, can be a very good player, we might need to retain Preston Smith and that big, big contract. Maybe it's a restructure kind of thing. Maybe we restructure his contract. I'm not sure. But Preston Smith needs to be looked at as a possibly exp expendable piece and it's going to be really really interesting him along with Christian Kirksey are probably the two biggest names that are still on contract with us that are are possibly looked at as uh, expendable pieces so keep an eye on them you guys and just to wrap things up with this episode I want to talk about our wide receivers a guy that I didn't mention on last episode and, and that I actually keep forgetting about is Devin Funches does everybody remember Devin Funches we acquired him Last year during free agency, everybody was yelling at the Packers to go acquire a wide receiver. And then 
they under the radar they just so low-key went and signed Devin Funches to a two-year deal but then Devin Funches again very low-key in a low-key fashion went and opted out of the season due to COVID and I don't blame him but I'll tell you what Devin Funches a lot of people are kind of forgetting about him and not really thinking that he could maybe be a difference maker on this team I'll tell you what Devin Funches is a former second round pick man right and we saw some productive years with him and Andrew Luck Devin Funches can be a, is a very capable number two receiver in an offense. Him and Devontae Adams, I think, would be a very nice tandem. But I still think that even if Devin Funches does come back on the roster, I think that we need to address the wide receiver position in terms of speed, right? We look at our wide receivers that we currently have. We have Equinemius St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We have Alan Lazard, right? We, we have all these guys that are and Devin Funches now if you include him in there. These guys are all over like 6 foot 2, 6 foot 3. Right? We have some big body wide receivers along with Devontae Adams. I think that we do need to go out and grab a more of a speedster type just because that is what we where we saw our offense at such an electric level this year is when we had Tyler Irving back there. Now Tyler Irving might be back, but I think that we do need to make sure that we go out and grab another Tyler Irving type weapon. I talked about John Ross already last last week. That guy would come over for cheap, especially he would, I think that he would sign in Green Bay knowing that he's going to a contender, a team that looks to win a Super Bowl. Get him for cheap, bring him in, and see what we can do with him. See if we can't get a guy like that in space to make some moves. Now, I don't want to, I'm not trying to rag on the Packers' current wide receiver makeup right now because I'll tell you what, I love our receivers' makeup. We need them to be like that because of the fact that we incorporate them so much in the run game. How many times do we see Alan Lazard coming down on a crack block or Marquez Valdez-Scantling coming down, getting in the dirty trenches right there and laying a licking on, on a linebacker of some sort, an outside linebacker defensive end? We need them to be big body receivers. We're not going to go ask a John Ross to go in there and, and make the same plays that Alan Lazard does. Although I do really like our receivers that we have on the roster right now, I do think that there are there is an area for improvement in the sense of just adding speed. And, and, and that's it. If we were to not make any moves, I would still be okay with our with our wide receiver corp. I was not mad at the fact that we didn't draft a wide receiver last year. But I do think that Matt LaFleur will look at the tape with when we had Mar- Tyler Irvin in our offense versus when we did not have him in our offense. And he will see that our offense had a lot more capabilities, a lot more dynamic to it, and put a lot more stress on opposing defenses with him in the offense. Those are my two cents. Maybe they'll listen to it. Maybe we'll get some news in in the coming weeks here with talks. I know that we're already looking at James White. I know that we're there's already been a couple of rumblings around T.Y. Hilton. I know there's always been already been a couple of rumblings around J.J. Watts. So gonna be some big time news to keep an eye on, you guys. That is going to do it for us though on today's episode. I am going to get out get out of here. Uh, next episode, hopefully we are talking about some more financial situation or maybe we're going to talk about some draft stuff uh we'll figure it out then but thank you very much for tuning in to the second episode of outside the tundra if you guys are not already follow me on twitter we are talking just about every day i'm 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 tweeting something about a thought that's come to my mind about the green bay packers or something we're breaking stuff down daily follow outside tundra on twitter and uh We'll take care of you through the entire off season and and leading into 21 season. 
But that's going to do it for us. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Outside the Tundra. I'm Josh Frysam. We'll see you guys next time.